0: Hello and welcome back to K Drama Rants. My name is Melanie and I like to rant about K dramas. Today we're talking about episode 12 of King the Land. I think it's going to be a long one, so strap in. Last week, Juan and King Hotel managed to pull off a successful 100 year anniversary celebration for the hotel. What ends? Guest assemblyman ran off like a big baby, but Juan's dad's heart thawed at seeing all of his employees express their love for King Hotel. I really hope you can hear that sarcasm. Most importantly, though, Sarang and Wan tried to be horny, but were rudely interrupted when Roan, Song Sangshik, and Dal show up. To be fair, Sarang does have roommates, well, one roommate, so it is a hazard that she has to live with. Everyone was shocked and appalled for reasons unclear because everyone been knew that Wan and Sarang have a thing going. So I don't get the surprise. This episode starts with the other side of the equation when everyone else arrives at the apartment. Dal and sang had been purchasing beer, which I didn't realize was a thing that they did together now. And they run into the other couple, Pyongwa and Roon. Apparently, they planned to all meet together. And it's nice because they're doing that because they became friends in Thailand or after Thailand. And on the way to the apartment in the car, the group speculates over whether Sarang and Won are currently together because neither of them is answering the phone. The girlies think that they're finally becoming an item, but sang Sheik thinks that Won isn't capable of dating, actually. And he knows this because he has zero experience in dating. And as soon as that information comes out, the girlies know to throw out anything that sang Sheik says about dating. Roan is honestly a sweet baby cinnamon roll and he doesn't know enough about any of these people to speculate but he does express some kinship with Juan because Juan must be heartbroken about being turned down before he got a chance to date Sarang and obviously the scene cuts to Pyeonghwan's smile faltering because she knows that Roan is talking about her because he likes her I mean, he'll get over it. Don't date someone you're not into just because they expressed interest in you. It's never going to truly work out if you're not into it. They make it to the apartment and walk in on the couple making out, stopping everyone and their mother on their tracks. So now everyone's in the living room interrogating the couple about their relationship. Sarang is apologetic, but Juan is mostly miffed that he's not making out right now. And I get it, okay? I really miss human touch. The girlies are upset that Sarang hid this from them, but Roan is just happy to see a happy couple. He's a vibe. I like him. I want to be like him when I grow up. And now that the couple's coming clean, in order to properly clear the air here, Juan tells them who he really is, the heir to the king group. The girlies, of course, first think it's a joke, like, hello. He's just manager No, Like, he's not the fucking heir to the company that they all work for. But one explains everything? His name isn't actually no, it's Goo. He's Goo Won. Obviously, the girlies are gagged and they are fully recalling every single mean thing they said about him right to his face when they didn't know who he was. And as soon as they realize that he's actually the big, big boss, Daddy Yankee. that was, and Pyonghwa pull out all the stops to make him comfy. They bring him a cushion for him to sit down and some juice. They, they're so uncomfortable that they bring themselves to sit down on the floor with the couple because they had been sitting in the sofa and Sarang and Wan were kind of below them as a gesture of like, I'm sorry that I kept this from you. Like, this is my deference for doing that. But now everyone's on the floor because the girlies cannot be on the sofa if the chairman's son himself is on the ground. Of course not. All the while. I need you to know that Sang-Sik is in the corner playing with a little chat key. I don't know what it is. And my idea was that he was possibly lamenting the loss of fake power over Wan. But we later find out that it's not the case. And... I'll let you know when that happens. Then Baal remembers when she was being super extra with Won during the Thailand trip. So she apologizes full bow, bringing Pyonghwa and Ron down with her, making Won very uncomfortable because he's like, we were just having a good time. We really do not need to be doing this. And she's like, oh, but I do. <laughs> but I really, really do. Even Sarang is like, you really, really don't. <laughs> but it'll take a minute, okay? He's, you know actually their boss, so it'll take a while for them to get used to this man. Then, that has a realization. She realizes that Sang-sik has also participated in this, so she takes him outside to give him a stern talking to. She has really mastered the art of the mom look you get when you're in trouble she's just like how could you do this to us we're like fellow workers we're at the same level like how could you lie and he's like oh but you don't understand like he's also my boss I had to do what he wanted me to do and I'm like where's your class solidarity you're way more likely to share characteristics with the girlies than you are with Juan that's all I'm saying (laughs) meanwhile in the living room Wan asks Roon to treat him as a hyung, an older brother, which is what you would affectionately call your older male friends if you were also a man. If you were a woman, you would call them Oppa. And let's not talk about how I feel about the word Oppa. And then Pyeonghwa essentially malfunctions because she goes into her customer service voice, which is very hilarious. She's like, do you need anything to drink? I love that. <laughs> um, so Wan walks away so he can bring back Dael and Sangshig and... I don't know, give everyone else like some time away from him to recompose themselves. And when he makes it outside, sang is crying in the middle of the street, totally nowhere to be seen, but we're not even going to address it cuz she comes back and they explain nothing. <laughs> Apparently, what has actually made him upset is not the loss of fake power. He's upset because Juan got a girlfriend before he did. Even though Sang-shi thinks of himself as very popular with the ladies and I'm all here like, I don't even know how you could possibly believe that you'd be more of a catch than the actual table that you work for. I'm not saying that everyone dates for money, but it really doesn't hurt your chances when you have that kind of money. And he's also hurt that his friend didn't tell him about everything. And I'm like, you're still his employee. Like, I mean, yeah, you're the closest thing he has to a friend, but he employs you, so you're not really friends, buddy. <laughs> Again, we don't see that, even though that was the whole point of going outside, we we're supposed to find her and take her back inside, but we see her two seconds later as she's drinking with Wa and talking about the events of the day. Sarang logs in. This is after Wan and Sang-shik have left, and... She's like, oh, are you guys talking about, like, our relationship? Are you concerned that he'll hurt me or something? And they're like, why would we be concerned? We're concerned that you think that we're concerned that he'll hurt you. Because, like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, that's a fair enough statement. That's, like, such a friend move. It's just like, "Mm, I wasn't thinking that. But now that you brought it up, yeah, I am thinking that. (laughs) Maybe we should examine that, unpack that. And she's like, oh, you know, because we have such different social statuses. And they're like, oh, bitch, that is not the concern. That is not the concern. What they're really concerned about is that she jumped into this relationship with this man too quickly. But Sarang assures them that she has thought about it and she really, really liked him. So now that their fears have been assuaged, they can truly celebrate. Never mind that there are already at least four bottles of soju and many discarded cans of beer in now's the time to celebrate. <laughs> Back at work, sometime later, Sang Sangshik reports to Juan what a smashing success his party was. Obviously, Juan is unsurprised because he has, like, the classic, like, way too overconfident stereotype that basically every male lead in every K-drama has. It's really annoying, but whatever. I, like, have ignored it so far, but it, like, I don't know. It happens more and more often now, and I'm like, oh my god, please stop. <laughs> Anyway, Sangshig wants to take the success and run with it, to take over all of King Group, but Wan is being a little more cautious. Meanwhile, Hua Dan with her team, who are all raving about what a major success this party was. Obviously, she can't be happy about this, because she's not the one who did it, so she decides to take down the mood of everyone in the room, and she makes it clear she only wants lackeys on her side. She only wants people who are saying that she's the best, not saying that something that was objectively good was good. And if they're not gonna put down everything that her rival says or does, remember that her rival is her brother, they're better scram. Then all of the leaders of King Group maybe meet up in some boardroom to discuss the massive success of the party Juan's dad, of course, cannot speak more highly of everything, all while Juanan is sitting there fucking seething, dude. She has such a stink face. I love it. She's such a good villain. I kind of hate her, but she is such a good villain. It cannot be good for her nervous system to have that kind of negative emotion to what is unequivocally a good thing for the hotel, and therefore her fortune, which is the thing that she's trying to protect. Okay, let's be real here. She wants money. She wants power. And if something good happens for the hotel, she's reaping the benefits I don't even understand I really don't get it like all of the press is talking about how good it was so obviously you're gonna get more business not only in King Hotel but like people are gonna be like oh they also own XYZ like maybe we should purchase there you know but I digress so while Juan's dad is giving the speech to everybody like oh this it was so good Uh, Juaran's lackey tells the chairman to not celebrate too soon bestie we're going into recession and it's not the time to celebrate even if this went well like the economy's tanking bitch (laughs) so Juaran has the opportunity to share her scheme she wants to restructure the company in preparation of a recession Juan doesn't back down though And he's like, well, restructuring is just a threat to employees to tighten their belts. And I don't think we need to spend less money on our employees in order to do better. I really don't. And I'm like, yes, that is correct, Juan. Um, And he advocates for the employees. But is immovable and tells her dad to choose or she will choose for him whether or not they're going to restructure. And that felt like a threat. Because it seems like she has control over the majority of the board. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. Because I feel like even though the dad has not been shown to be making like super strategic moves, like talking to boardroom members individually or whatever, that man looks like he has that shit on lock, okay? So whatever he says goes, regardless whether his daughter thinks that she owns a portion of this board. I don't think that woman has as much power as she thinks she does. And here I am thinking, I'm just thinking thoughts. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I feel like Daddy dears should really split the company and then they can work on more reasonably sized companies and then we just wouldn't have this conversation anymore. I don't know, just a thought. But his plan is instead to ask Juan and Juan to come up with business plans defending their respective positions And he will choose from that what he will do with King Group moving forward. I don't know if it's King Hotel or King Group, so I'm just going to say King Group for now because it seems like that's what's going on. But I may be wrong. The meeting ends and Sang-Sik meets with Wan and does his best to encourage him because he realizes that Huaran has like a million people on her team. And Wan really just has Sang-Sik. And that moment I was like, but he also has... Sarang, who is an exceptional employee by all accounts. And I'm fairly certain that Sarang is gonna come up with a brilliant plan to generate revenue. And Juan will use that and obviously get power over the group and take credit for her work, just like Hassan did. Perfect. In the skies, Pyonghua says goodbye to her son, bit who led her down the path of doing illegal shit to get promoted, because she is getting promoted. And Pyonghua is unimpressed that she will be working in headquarters now and will no longer be doing flights. So she, after this whole shebang, after this whole thing that she does saying goodbye to her crew, confront her at the airport to tell her she should apologize for not promoting Pyonghua because she used Pyeonghwa to increase sales and get the promotion that she's getting into headquarters. I don't know if I explained that super well, but basically Pyeonghwa's upset because she's supposed to get promoted just as much as her sunbae is, but her sunbae was the one that screwed her over. And we finally find out The terrible secret that Pyongha has been trying to keep under wraps. She's divorced, bitch. That is it. That is only, that's the only thing, bitch. She's divorced. That's it, bitches. That is the only problem. She's a divorced woman. That's why she's having such a terrible time getting promoted. And it's not like divorce rates are all that low in Korea. Like, they're comparable to the U.S. divorce rates. It's just a massive fucking taboo. Like, reminds me of my childhood. My parents were separated for 10 whole last years before they actually got a divorce. And I'm the one who asked them to do it so I could get better financial aid in college, which is why I don't have any student loans, baby. That's not actually true. My scholarships were mostly merit-based. I worked really hard for them, actually. Funny story, I actually got an extra scholarship in college because I was the only person of color in my department, just as a FYI, I am actually the color of fucking paper, but because I'm Latina, it counts. I didn't even laugh when I got my financial aid letter that semester. I was like, what is this scholarship about? And I like called the financial aid office because I was not about to pay this money back if they gave it to me in, in error. And they're like, yeah, basically you kind of get it by default. And I was just like, what? Like, yeah, you are the only person of color in your department right now. And so, yeah, you're the only one who can get that scholarship. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I honestly had not even realized at that point, because my department was, well, I had two departments. I double majored. One of my departments was very, very small, and the other one was slightly less small. None of them were very large. And one of them had only white people in it. And the other one was just, like, mostly immigrants, which I found very interesting. (laughs) The story of pyong divorce is actually super fucking traumatic. She had filled up the paperwork for registering her marriage to an ex just for funsies. I don't know. Shit people do when they're young and stupid and in love. And then her ex filed the papers for marriage after she broke up with him. And she couldn't even get an annulment. And I'm like, She wasn't even there when he filed it. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) That's fucked. So I hope it goes without saying, but never sign documents that you don't stand behind 100% and haven't read thoroughly. So now that we learned that, I think we're supposed to also understand that this is the reason why she's pushed Rowan away. I mean, I get it. The stigma is the problem, but like bro you have got to figure out how to process your feelings around it so you can move on in terms of relationships because like fuck her job and her superiors and like the fact that she's not getting promoted because the fact that she's had a divorce but like you don't want to date someone who judges you for having had a divorce so if you're like upfront about it and you like tell people what you think might be a problem for them and they decide, using that information, that they would not like to remain in your life, then you don't want them in your life. So, you know, I feel like it's better to just tell the truth and then realize who's your friend from the beginning. Then we go back to Kingland, where Juaran is trying to appease the man, the assemblyman she invited to the 100-year anniversary. She invited him to make a speech, but she actually didn't have approval that he was gonna make a speech so she really messed up with that one he thinks he was humiliated even though no one said anything about him at all during the event I guess this man thinks that anything that isn't directly about him is a slight toward him and like okay I will say though like I would again I would be pissed if I showed up to an event being told that I needed to prepare a speech for it and then not making the speech Like, I would be actually fucking incensed about that because, like, the amount of work that it takes to write a speech is too much for not being able to do it later. But, you know, you just kind of walk off. You don't, like, get angry and, like, continue making a problem of it. You really don't need to think about it that hard. But he's stupid, So he's at King the Land having dinner with Huaran while Sarang is serving him. And then, like, at one point, he just goes off on Sarang because she served him drinks on the right and food on the left. And she's like, sorry about that. We do it in the style of the royal family. The British one, not the Korean one, which I found interesting. But if you don't like that, please let me know on which side you would like to be served and we will accommodate to you. And he says some contradictory shit about wanting her to apologize and then not accepting her apology. All in a voice that makes it sound like he's about to have a heart attack. This man is, like, absolutely raising his blood pressure for no reason, okay? Because he's pissed at Huarán. He's not pissed at Sarang. All the while, Huarán's just sitting there. Like, Sarang doesn't even know what to do at that point. She apologized. She tried to make it better. But he just wants to be angry. And in situations where someone just wants to be angry for the sake of being angry... I usually just walk away. I'm fully aware that it's probably going to get me killed one day because grown people who do that shit just want attention and they think that throwing a tantrum is the way to do it. But as opposed to children who throw tantrums when they hit you, it's never really going to hurt. It might, you know, hurt, but it's not going to land you in the hospital unless it's like an abnormally large child or something. Grown people with anger management issues will fuck you up because you didn't want to be their emotional punching bag. So, you know, I don't know how you handle angry people who just want to be angry for the sake of being angry, but my way is to walk away. And I don't think I recommend that for other people because I don't think it's actually conducive to a long and healthy life (laughs) after that. So, you know, if you have tips, tricks, share, because I would like to know, what do you do? So now that man turns it back on Huarán. He's like, fire her if you want to see me again, you have to fire Sarang. So Juan calls over Sarang's manager and she starts firing Sarang. She's like, get rid of her. And like her manager just kind of like stands there for a second. She's like, what? And Juan's like, yeah, get rid of her. Then Juan walks in literally out of nowhere to interrupt this nonsense, this foolishness. Further cementing that this show was written by a 13-year-old on AO3 circa 2011-ish. I actually cackled when he stepped into the room. It was like, what? Where did you come from? I thought there was going to be some, like, actual conflict for once in this show. But no, you're just, like, going to fix it immediately. You're not even going to let it happen. It was so weird. It's, like, such a strangely written show. I don't... I think I regret picking this show. Not, okay. I am having a time, like it's, it's, it's a base level enjoyment. It's like the same amount of enjoyment I get from like watching reality TV. Not that I watch reality TV that much anymore, but like I recognize it's not good. It's not art, but it is fundamentally entertaining. (laughs) I just wish I had more to talk about. I just wish it like were interesting in more ways than like how similar it is to how it was being on the internet as a middle schooler. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then Juan decides to give this guy a lesson on British table manners. Don't see how that's relevant, but go off. <laughs> so this man child storms off, and before Juan runs after him, she realizes that to Juan, Sarang isn't just an employee. So things are about to get spicy, because she knows how to get him now. She knows where to attack. Sarang apologizes again for nothing, and he tells Sarang's manager to protect the employees first and foremost. He's the one who's going to take responsibility if it goes wrong. Then later, when the staff cleans up King the Land after that man left, they decide to drink away their troubles off the day since that assemblyman is always such a bad time when he's around. So Sarang offers to clean up herself. Because she still doesn't see herself as part of the crew. So they can head out early and get their drink on. But they invite her to drink with them this time. Because she's a part of the team now. She almost cries. She's so touched by this. And like, yeah. I mean, you spend like at least 40 hours of your week with these people. Like, it's nice that they like you. <laughs> they go out to drink. And they basically all take turns talking about how they hated her at first for getting promoted so quickly, but once they saw her work, they realized that she actually did deserve the job. So then they cheers for Juan, who gave them bonuses for the 100-year anniversary. Once the drinking is over, Sarang is left on her own in the rain to get to the bus stop. But Juan walks in with an umbrella just in time, again out of fucking nowhere as she braces herself for the rain. They have a short conversation where she shares that she's happy, she's finally accepted at work, and he's unconcerned by Horan's anger, which I feel like he really shouldn't be because, like, she's unhinged, okay? She is fully unhinged. They walk off in the rain, and we have another fanfiction moment. He saves them from getting splashed by a car zooming past with his umbrella, and instead of being smooth about it, he's gets excited to show off to his girlfriend and is like, oh my god, did you see? And he turns around in front of Serang to be like, oh my god, did you see how fast that was? And immediately gets splashed by a second car passing by. It's very funny, and I'm glad they put that in there. But also, fan fiction. Middle schooler on the internet, circa 2011. They go to a place where Juan is in the restroom getting cleaned up after getting splashed. She watches TV as she waits and loudly reacts to something which prompts Juan to hustle out of the bathroom, half-dressed. She assures him she's fine, she was just watching TV, but she catches his abs. And I get it. It's very distracting. She tells him to finish drying off while she makes tea, but... Juan has a better idea, and I agree. I tend to agree with Juan on this one. He realizes that she's a little flustered about his state of undress and his abs, so he takes the opportunity to keep her flustered and makes out with her. Good for him and good for her, because I know she liked it. But back at the hotel, sang is meeting with juan An. She's dictated that he will report everything about Juan to her including personal stuff in exchange for career growth and instead of saying like I would never how could you she asked her how far he can go by doing this implying that he's going to be a turncoat and I'm like there's no way there's no way that man has one friend and one friend only and that friend is Wan and Wan has one friend and one friend only and that guy is Sangshe okay? These people are not about to turn each other. They're just not. And I don't even understand why you could possibly think that your audience would even think that that's possible. And then I realized, right, this was written by a middle schooler for middle schoolers. So checks out. It's so silly. Then we see, once again, I swear to God, every scene that I was in without her friends makes me irrationally irate. I hate it so much. She pulls up to her home and finds her sister-in-law and her nephew in her apartment. Her sister invited herself into her home to borrow some clothes. She is in her closet, raiding it, and calling all of her stuff shit and not good enough for her. Then why are you here, bitch? If you hate it and you don't think that it spends enough money on clothing, why are you here? Why are you here? I don't know. (laughs) You don't need to be here. And she then leaves leaving her son behind. So now that uh, is forced to take care of her nephew. If there's one thing about me, it is that I will call CPS for an abandoned child. (laughs) Jokes aside, I think pretty much everyone around me is aware of how very little interest I have in children. I recognize that they are cute visually. You know, I'm like a picture, cute baby. I accept that. But I only need to see them in order to get that. Like, I don't need to be around them for that. Like, Children talking actually makes me want to rip my ears out, which I recognize sounds outrageous. It's fucking absurd that that's my reaction. And that's because it is. I don't want to be like this. And that's on the autism and the sensory issues, baby. Okay. Children talking. Literally. I just got a text from my mother today that was like, hey, if you'd been at Subway with me today, you would have ran away as soon as possible. Cause there were like two kids in there and they were running around and they were yelling and they were like, really loud and i was just like yeah i would have you know children are lovely like they're fine i like that most children are curious that's that's something i appreciate about children but the vast majority of children's voices are on a note that really is like the exact right frequency to make me insane so i just walk away (laughs) anyway her husband shows up to the apartment just to watch tv while she handles everything else around the house, he cares very little that his sister upset his wife. And I'm like, why are you with this man, Dal? Why? Why are you here? And then, on top of mocking her for getting upset that his sister is a bitch and asking him to do something about her, he tells her he wants to eat. And she tries to decline that she's not going to make any food today. But then her parents-in-law pull up and the man asks her to make at least three different dishes so she sees herself forced to do it because of the hierarchy and the culture. So after, she dips from her house to hang out at her friend's place. She tells Sarang not to get married and to just enjoy the freedom of being single. Like, you don't have to tell me twice, bitch. My ideal long-term relationship is to be in one with a neighbor. Like, you take care of your shit, I take care of mine, and then we get together for the good stuff. I don't have any examples of real-life healthy relationships, so I don't think they're possible. I'm sure they are. I just also believe that it's a fantasy. Next day, at the hotel, a mother and her daughter ask Sumi to find the child's stuffed animal since it's what she needs to sleep. But Sumi is telling them that they can't find it in the hotel room and that they'll call the family if the hotel finds the animal later. But Sarang sees this and she identifies with this child who is at a hotel with her mother. So she goes to the laundry room and spends way too much time in there to find it. She's like maybe an hour or so in there. While she looks, the cleaning lady she wanted to ask about once, mom tells her to tell the guests to wait. But Sarang is determined. But she does ask her if she can take up some of her time later. So after she finds the stuffed rabbit and delivers it to the very grateful child, she sits down with the cleaning inspection lady and asks about Han Mi So, who I had assumed to be Wan's mom, but based on Sarang's reaction to the news that she was a good woman, makes me think that maybe it was her mom she was asking about. Like, she's way too relieved about this for it to be Juan's mom? Let's put a pin in that. We will come back to that later. A bit later, Sarang asks Juan to meet her at a coffee shop. And he runs there because there was traffic. And this is the first time that Sarang has ever suggested a date. So he wasn't about to be late for this one. It is also a reminder that this is a fan fiction. The fact that he fucking dropped his car to run over to the coffee shop. And then she tells him that she wants to go somewhere. And he jumps at the idea without knowing where she's taking him. It is very cute that he's so infatuated and unafraid to show it. Like, I hate it when people try to play it cool with their emotions. Vulnerability is the only way to find genuine connection. And pretending to be, like, blasé and nonchalant is just, it's so boring. It's so boring. They leave and go to the beach so she can see her mom. She used to do that when she missed her mom after she died as a kid. She wanted to share that with Juan and show him a picture of her mom that the cleaning lady gave her. He grabs the picture and he looks at it and he looks surprised by what he sees. So he walks away and cries with the picture in his hand. Later, we see a young boy arriving at an airport. While I assume his parents, Hwaran, and her husband discuss divorce. She's too concerned about her image, but he's like, please just do it. And I'm like, bitch, you're a chebol. You can get divorced. Okay, your image is not going to be as fucked as other people's image. Just do it. Her child calls her and tells her he's home. And instead of being psyched to see her kid... She tells him that he's just adding to her stress right now. What? It's fucking comical how cruel they've made this woman. He apologizes, the child apologizes, and she tells him to just go back to the States. So he does. Dude, this woman is fucked in the head. At King the Land, Saran gives her co-workers some Danish cookies... Honestly, that product placement is very subtle compared to other sponsors and other K-dramas. Their manager walks in and tells Sarang about the Dream Team, which is Chairman Gu's specialized team for his personal events. She's been invited to join. What's the pay? Does this promotion come with money? Because if it doesn't, I don't want it. But her team congratulates her on joining their ranks and we see her in a passenger van on her way to an event. She tries asking questions about this, but the secretary that manages the team tells her not to ask any questions and abide by the NDA she signed. When they arrive, they're asked to change into French maid uniforms. Not quite historically accurate ones, but also not the sexy Halloween version. It's like It's just kind of a French maid uniform, like an actual uniform that you would see an actual person wearing at their job. Sarang doesn't like the idea of looking like a maid, since she is a concierge, but needs must, I guess. The team gathers to serve the soup to the family, and when she lines up, she sees that Juan is there. She's surprised to see him, but she's got a job to do. Chairman Gu continues talking... As they get served, and she learns that Juan is slated to marry the girl from that one episode where she held her birthday king in the land. So when Sarang hears that, she drops the plate she was handling, and her eyes start to well up while she looks into Juan's eyes, and that's how the episode ends. Ooh, bitch, that is spicy I bet it's gonna be resolved by the end of the next episode because this show is not very good at building and keeping tension but still I don't even know what you could possibly do in that situation like I guess you apologize and pick up the fucking plate but like that man's got some splaining to do okay and I don't know if I could wait (laughs) um so I guess stay tuned next week to see whether he will explain away being engaged to this other girl or if, like, Sedan will beat his ass up right then and there. As always, we can connect two cans together with a pizza string as long as one of those cans is Wi-Fi enabled, so you can send me an email at koreandramarants at gmail.com or at koreandramarants on Instagram. That metaphor was a stretch. I know, we don't have to talk about it. Catch y'all next week with episode 13 of King the Land. Thanks for listening. Bye!